Good morning, Ridge. It's great to see all of you. I'm excited to be here. Any chance that I get to hang out with the older crowd on a Sunday morning is always a little bit of a nice treat. Um, So I don't know about you, but we have just seen God moving and working in amazing ways. He is faithful. And uh, we're going to take some time today to celebrate what he's been doing and where he's taken us and what he's going to do next. Um, and I'm really excited to just share some celebration with you. we got a lot to talk about. Um, and we're going to start this morning with uh, the story of Elijah and Elisha. Back in the Old Testament in First uh, and Second Kings. So if you want to follow along uh, with our first uh, passage, you can turn to First Kings chapter 17, and a little short section of it is going to be up there on the screen, but we're going to read a little bit there. First um, Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, who was king of Israel, as the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So Elijah was God's prophet. He was the head of all the prophets. And God said to him, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So God commands Elijah to go out into the desert and promises him, I'm going to provide for you in the desert. There's no food out there, there's no towns, there's no people, but I'm going to provide you food. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where the water was so clean you could drink it. Uh, that's really not very safe most places, uh, but here it was. Um, I uh, got to go on the mission trip to Alaska last year and drink a little bit of glacier water. That was pretty cool. Um, sometime later, though, the brook dried up because there was a drought. As Elijah had shared God's word that there wouldn't be rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So imagine what that widow was feeling. She's at the end of her rope. She has no more resources. She's tired. She's exhausted. She sees no point in continuing The last thing she has is enough to make one meal, and then then it's over. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. On the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family 
for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So God not only provided for Elijah, but he provided for that widow and her son who had given up hope. Um, And I know some of us uh, have a lot of uh, struggles going on in our lives. I know there are things that we feel like, I don't know if I can have hope about this. Um, There's a lot of that, but there's a lot to celebrate too. And we're going to do both of those things. And we're going to try to live as the widow and her son, um, looking for God to act, responding when he does, and watching him provide for our needs. So Elijah the prophet had a protege, um, and it's easy to get confused because his name was Elisha, and Elijah was raising him up to succeed him. Um, in fact, if you look forward in um, 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, it talks about how Elijah was taken up to heaven and Elisha asked for a double portion of God's spirit that Elijah had had to be with him. And um, Elijah's like, that's a really big thing to ask. And if this happens, it'll happen. And, and God did. God gave Elisha even double the spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that Elijah had had. So there's a very similar event that actually happens in Elijah's leadership over in 2 Kings. So you can turn there, 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But, how his, but now his creator is coming, his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Because a lot of people didn't have very much. So empty jars were easy to be found. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. Go get every empty jar you can find. I feel like that's what we're doing at the office right now is going out and buying every plastic tub that Walmart owns so that we can put all our stuff in there and get it ready for the new building. Elijah said, go get all those jars, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So that's God's provision. That's God's desire. His plan for us is to give us provision that we need that is going to overflow that is going to go beyond meeting our needs that is going to provide for us and provide for others that's God's heart and that is how God works but I wonder have you ever felt stagnant in your faith it's really one of the worst feelings and the worst places to be spiritually because we tend to forget that God is moving And he is acting all the time. We can lose sight of that so easily. 
and sometimes we get discouraged uh, and distracted, and we start to believe, well, God's working and moving in, in that person's life, you know, for that family, uh, for those kids over there, for that team. He's not, he's not moving and acting in my life. And so how are we supposed to respond when we get in a rut like that and we're stuck and we lose sight of God's promise and his provision? Well, I think one of the things we need to do is to wait patiently on him, which is counterintuitive. We're stuck and we're spinning our wheels and we feel like we've got to change something, we've got to do something. The first thing we need to change is we need to begin to wait on him and expect that provision because it's coming. Just like he provided for the widows and their sons, he'll provide for us. So check out Romans 8, 18. Paul says, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, those can sound like easy words to say, but Paul has the life to back it up. He experienced more suffering probably than any of us are ever going to experience. I mean, maybe that's not true, but for most of us, yeah. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what it was like to go without. He knew what it was like to have enemies attacking him, wishing him ill, wanting to kill him, hurt him, destroy the ministry that he was doing. He knew exactly what suffering was like. And he considered it not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And, and God doesn't just wait to reveal his glory, to share his kingdom until we're in heaven. He wants to do that in us and through us now. You know, uh, you've probably heard uh, people say that um, fear not is in the Bible, something like once for every day. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I did a little research on that, and it looks like about at least 60 direct times the Bible specifically talks about, God's Word specifically talks about, don't be afraid. So a lot of times we lose sight, we forget that He's there, we forget that His provision is coming for us. It's hard to wait, it's hard to wait. It's like when we're kids and Christmas is a week away and it feels like it's a year away and it's just, oh, it's getting so close and we're waiting and then it's easy to start to fear. It's easy to start to think, well, what, what if he doesn't have my back? What if he's not on the way? What if his provision doesn't come? What am I going to do then? And we start to take matters into our own hands because of that fear. Check out 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter gives some instruction to all of us who are Christ followers and especially to to leaders among you. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. I got to tell you, that's one of the things that I love about the Ridge, I love about this church, I love about all of you, is that we serve because we're willing. And we spend time investing in God's kingdom and, and sharing love and encouragement with our kids and our youth and our young adults and our church families because we are willing. It's a joy. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, 
You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So I've got a story I want to share. I've got a couple of these today um, about some of the things that have been happening. We're going to talk about some, some of the stuff God's been doing and how exciting it is. Um, and here's a little taste of that. So um, one of the things we just did was uh, Camp 412, Kids Camp, uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, that's a partnership between our church and uh, Pierce Chapel and St. Mark. And so I'm part of the leadership of that and kind of the point person that, that leads through the week of camp and leading up to it. And there's some other directors as well. And um, we have over 100 kids there, something like 50 plus adults and uh, high school students and college students helping us. I mean, it is, it is a year-long um, effort to get ready for that. And uh, it is uh, a crazy week. Um, I usually get very little sleep. Um, but so th- this story that I'm about to tell you, <laughs> I've titled The Unapproved Prank. Um, so one of the fun things we get to do is we get to do little cute pranks where a cabin will like go, go take another cabin's banner and then they leave them a note, a ransom note, and then they have to go like, you know, do a dance or sing a song or something and, uh, to get it back, stuff like that. Those, those are the kind of things that we encourage. Um, but on the first night this year, we had some counselors decide that they were going to go a little crazy. Um, and they used shaving cream and silly string, which are both banned from camp forever um, and have been for a long time. And what's bad is these counselors are not newbies. They knew they shouldn't be using those. And they sprayed it all over the porch of one of the cabins and the porch of another cabin and, um, and then the silly string everywhere. And some of us saw the prank happening but we didn't pay close enough attention to what was actually going on because they had won the right to prank on the first night, which is not normally allowed because they had won the scavenger hunt. So we were like, oh, they're good, whatever. These, these are veterans. They know what they're doing. They're not going to do anything wrong. So at about 1.30 in the morning, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And I walk over, and I see it everywhere, and I knew it was going to be a problem. So I start washing it off, and it had bleached every letter, that they had written every, every little design that they had put on the walls and the floor, um, both front and back porch, bleached it in. And so I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what do I do? Do I go wake everybody up? Do I try to clean this up? Let's see. So I just, I just start cleaning different things, different methods, start trying different methods to clean it. I went and got some cleaner out of the kitchen, some Dawn, that didn't work. I got some floor cleaner, that kind of worked. I went and got... Um, some bleach and diluted it and just started scrubbing with bleach and uh, I kind of faded it enough so that you couldn't see everything and uh, by the time I got done it was about 4 30 a.m. and at that point I decided there's no point in trying to go to sleep I got to be up to take kids fishing which is one of the things we do there uh, that one of my favorite things as well um, I got to go buy some worms, and so I got to get up. So I'm just going to go in town, and uh, I'm going to buy some stuff that I need, and you know, whatever. So I get there. 
I don't know if you know this. Do you know Walmart's not open 24 hours anymore? I did not. I did not. I got there at 5. There must have been 80 cars in the parking lot. The lights were on. The doors were open. And I start walking in. And the guy's like, sir, 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 we're closed. And I'm like, there's all the cars. And the door's open. And the lights are on. Like, I really need stuff. And he's like, yeah, we, we haven't been open 24 hours since COVID. And I'm like, all right, all right. Um, so I'm like, what time do you all open? He's like, at 6. And I'm like, okay. Well, that's going to make it tight getting back to camp. But anyway, um, I'm like, well, what can I do? I drove around trying to look for something that was open. Nothing was. Uh, Tim Hortons was open. Anybody been? Anybody been to the new Tim Hortons? Got some donuts, some coffee. So I was like, I'll buy donuts for the adults for our meeting this morning. Went back to Walmart, got the stuff I need, got back. Um, kind of running on fumes at that point. But the whole time, the whole time that night as I was cleaning up, trying to just um, hold on to a good attitude. Because it's the beginning of camp. I don't want to start this off on a negative note. And just thinking about it, and that verse just came to my mind. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he can lift you up in due time. And then I remembered this other verse, Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, that's Jesus, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if God can love us enough to humble himself to death on a cross, I can humble myself to scrub a floor through the night and get no sleep and be ready to go to the next day. And I was. God sustained me through that day. I was good. I was great the whole day. I made it. The next day I was able to take a nap, so thank God for that. Um, But he does. He provides for us. He gives us what we need. So I want to take a minute and celebrate some significant ways that God is working and has been working recently uh, here at the Ridge. So uh, just told you a little bit about Kids Camp. Uh, beginning of the summer, uh, first week of June, we take our youth to sold out. Many of you know that. We, we uh, prayed for sold out um, here, and we, we had everybody that was going that was here that Sunday come up, and we prayed for them. And um, I just want to give you uh, a report about the amazing things that God did that week. So... We had about 40 students, about 10 adults. Out of that 40 students, uh, over 25%, 11 of them made a public commitment uh, either to begin or renew their relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? 11 students. Yeah, yeah. We also had one high school student and one college student, at least there may have been more, who felt and expressed a call to ministry as a vocation for their life. Also super amazing. And, and countless moments of sharing, uh, of just deep heartfelt worship, uh, of growing closer to each other. I mean, it was one of the best of the best that we've ever experienced. And that's amazing. I've done a lot of those. I don't know how many I've been to, 15 or 16 or something, uh, countless other youth retreats. This was one of the best of all time. I mean, it was an amazing blessing, and everybody felt and knew that God's presence was with us. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. And so uh, at camp um, this year, our, our theme was under the big top, and that's one of the themes that we rotate through. And we have a theme verse every year, and uh, the theme verse overall for the camp was our theme verse for this year uh, as well. And that's 1 Timothy 4.12. That's why we call it Camp 4.12. 
It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so we talked about the stories of Nehemiah, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, of David. We, we just like honed in on those and how they connected to those kids and reinforced the truth that even as kids right now, they're growing in their faith that God wants to work in them, that God wants to use them, that it's not all about later, it's about right now too, that they can serve God now, that he's got great plans for them, and that they don't have to be afraid. And I can't tell you, we've heard so much positive feedback. And um, we had one kid who, uh, on Tuesday, he's from the Ridge, on Tuesday he was telling me he just wanted to go home, he wasn't having a good time, he wasn't going to come back next year, And I started talking to him, and I was like, well, you know, what do you think, you know, next year's a long time away. That's a long time for a kid. Like, you might think something differently. He's like, no, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. Um, So I just talked to him some more, encouraged him. He still kind of had a bad attitude for the rest of that day. And then a a flip switched, and uh, a switch flipped. Yeah, there we go. Um, (laughs) And by the end of camp, he went home, and he wouldn't stop talking about it. And he's talking about how he's coming back next year and begging uh, his parents to make sure that he gets to come. God was working there as well with our kids. Um, And so uh, during both sold out and um, are they not filling in over here? Oh, well, I skipped the new building. That's why. That's why that didn't come out. Well, we'll come back to that in a second. I should follow my notes instead of get distracted. Um, So um, one of the things that, that we've uh, had come up at Sold Out and at camp and among our church family and our adults um, is that we've got a lot of folks who want to be baptized or want to rededicate their life to Christ. And so coming up on July 30th, we're going to celebrate together uh, a baptism Sunday. And we're going to meet uh, that afternoon. Um, Jimmy's going to give us instructions about that later, but we're going to meet that afternoon um, and, and we're just going to celebrate, and I don't know how many are on the slate, but it's going to be a bunch, and it's going to be a really, really cool day um, for us to celebrate together. So, back up. Uh, who was there last Sunday for uh, the dedication of the new building? Got to write some, some verses on the, the walls, the studs to the walls. Yeah, that was, that was such an incredible and amazing time, and it's so great to actually see a physical structure, like almost at completion, and to dream and think about the time that we're going to get to share there together because we're so thankful for Brookstone and being able to be here for all the time that we have. But other than Sunday morning, we don't have access here. We're going to have a place to call our own, to have small groups and to have, you know, like youth meetings and um, all those kind of things all week long. And we're not going to have to bring it in and set it up and tear it down. We're going to have a lot more time to do a lot better things uh, in ministry. God is working in a lot of ways, and he has plans for our immediate future that are so exciting at the Ridge. And so I want to encourage you to take a moment and um, think of something, think of a way that God has been working in your life. Um, And I want you to share that with your neighbor. And if you are uh, worshiping with us online, uh, I want you to take a moment and do the same thing. So take about 30 seconds, share with your neighbor, 
some way that God is working in your life and then let them share with you as well. Y'all, that was the quietest sharing I think I've ever heard. Everybody's whispering, don't want to be too loud. I don't want the person behind me to know how faithful God has been. (laughs) No, I'm just messing with you. Um, All right, so talking about God's faithfulness, talking about those stories from the Old Testament of overflowing, and uh, just throw in a little other, uh, little bit to that. You know, sometimes sometimes it's hard for me uh, to have faith that God really cares about the little details. But um, here's another illustration from camp that I just thought was so fun and so cool. And just an example that God really does care about the little stuff that happens in our lives. And he does things all the time, if we'll just watch for it, to catch our attention and to remind us that he's faithful. So um, there's a lot leading up to camp. I kind of laid it out how, how much that goes into that. And it's stressful. And there's all these moving parts. And we're... It's Sam's picking up food, and I mean, it's like two pallets of food. I mean, feeding 160 people for five days, is that takes a lot of food. Um, and that wasn't even all of it. There's food coming from two other places, too. But we're at Sam's, we're picking up those pallets, we're loading it in a trailer. And right at the same time, a truck pulls up, and it's um, our local prison ministry, and they were also picking up food. Um, and I don't know why, but one of them's like, hey, do you want a box of lemons? And I kind of thought for a second, I was like, well, I, don't, I won't turn it down. Sure, why not? Um, I mean, I'm talking about a giant box of lemons. I don't know if there's like 150 or 300 lemons in there, but there's so many lemons, so many lemons. And I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what we'll do with this. So on our way out to camp, I was thinking about, because we're meeting out there to put stuff in the fridge and everything. I'm like, what can we use these for? Um, and I was like, you know what? We're doing a cooking elective this year. I bet they would like to make some lemonade for camp in the cooking elective. So I'm like, I'll set it aside for that. And I told the, the cooks, like, hey, we're going to set this aside for them and see if they want to use it. But we probably got extra. <laughs> Little did I know how much extra we had. Um, so we're, Monday, the, the uh, leader of that elective comes in, and she, um, she and I started talking. And I was just checking in with her. And I was like, hey, do you, do you need any lemons? And she's like, well, yeah, um, we're going to make lemonade tomorrow. And I was like, well, funny you should say that, because I have a box of lemons for you guys to use. And I'm thinking, you know, they'll probably use like half the box or something to make lemonade. I don't know. I'm not sure I've ever made fresh lemonade, maybe once or twice. I don't know how many lemons it takes. So they made enough lemonade for like everybody to have a taste of lemonade. And I mean, you couldn't even tell if they take any lemons out of the box. 
And so um, I think we used it another time at camp, and then uh, we took it home from camp, and we uh, made some fresh lemonade for, um, for youth that Sunday night after camp, and uh, that had been last week, I think. And then, uh, then we took it to um, uh, my wife's, Autumn's uh, family's uh, 4th of July celebration. We made some more fresh lemonade. And no joke, that box is still like three-fourths full of lemons. So if anybody needs some lemons, uh, seriously, text me, call me, whatever. I will hand the box off to you because we have made lemonade like four times for like a ton of people. And, and there's like countless lemons left. And I was like, this is just such a cool example of how God knows about the details, cares about them, and how he you know, just shows up in unexpected ways in our life. And I think it's a reminder that there's always an overflow when we're faithful to God. Because he's faithful, he's just waiting for us to get on board. You know, and, and it might not be money, but it might be. It might not be the healing that you've been praying for, but it very well could be. It might be an overflow of peace that you really need right now. It might be an overflow of encouragement. It might be an overflow of joy. Or it might be an overflow of reassurance or so many other things. But God doesn't want to just give you what you need. He wants to give you more than you need. He wants it to overflow so you just can't help but share it with everybody around you. God wants you to have a three-fourths box full of lemons after you've made lemonade four times. That's what God wants for you. So if we just look, if we just watch for him, we're going to see examples of him moving. Even if we don't feel like it's in our lives right now, we can take hope and take heart that he's working, he's moving, he's acting in the life of our church, in the life of our friends, and in our lives too. We just got to wait, we got to trust, and he's going to follow through. And another thing we need to do is listen. Listen for his word. Because sometimes we're waiting on him to do something and he's been trying to get our attention and talk to us and be like, hey, Nathan, I want you to go over there. And I've been looking this way. Sometimes when we feel stuck, it's not that God hasn't been providing. It's that we hadn't been listening. Maybe we've been looking. Maybe we've been watching. Maybe we've been missing where he's been acting because we haven't tuned our heart to how he is speaking to us. So here's a few ways um, that God speaks to us. I think we make this a little complicated sometimes. Um, in, in like, I don't know, you know, how can I hear from God? How does God want to speak to me? The number one way, the primary way, the way that if you feel like you're not hearing from God, this is how you can hear from God, is to get into his word. Read Something out of the scripture, at least for a few minutes every day. Get in the word. God will speak to you through it. He'll remind you about things you've read before. He'll teach you new things if you read something you've already read. His word is living and it's active. And he's moving through it. And, and we have access to it on our devices, in our Bibles that have dust on them at home. So many ways, and we have the 
most amazing tools at our hands to look it up and see what it means and try to understand a, a passage if we don't get it. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. Don't, don't think, well, I don't have an hour, so I can't do it. No, just spend five minutes, and you'll probably spend 20, and it'll refresh you and renew you, and God will speak to you through his word. The Holy Spirit will also speak to our hearts. If we listen, if we're quiet, if we quiet our soul, he'll speak to us. Sometimes God will speak to us in dreams. I know that sounds weird, but there's examples all throughout Scripture of God doing that. Sometimes through others. Uh, I'll tell you a way I feel like, and I shared this with the kids and with the youth earlier, um, I feel like God spoke to me at Sold Out. Um, one of my mentors that I've known for a long time, some of you may know him, is uh, Lee McBride. Uh, he's a uh, pastor and evangelist, traveling uh, men's speaker and uh, youth speaker. And uh, I've known him since I was in high school, and I was talking to him at Sold Out, and you know, because we're doing behind-the-scenes stuff, and I'm running wreck, and um, he's preaching in the mornings. And anyway, we're, we're close. And I was talking to him, and I was just like, you know, I just wanted to take a minute just to say, thank you for being a mentor in my life. Like, it has helped me so much and meant so much to me. And, um, and he looked at me and said, you know, I don't even think of myself that way. I just think of us as colleagues. And that, when he said that, that, that was the most encouraging thing I think I'd heard in, in like a year. I mean, it, it blew me away because I don't put myself in that same category. I don't think of myself that way. But to know that he thinks of me that way was just amazing. And I believe it was God speaking encouragement to me through Lee. And that definitely happens. God will use others who are faithful to speak to us. And then through creation. And I don't know if I put that one up there. Um, but just the amazing beauty. Um, uh, Autumn and I have a little side business. We ran out our camper and we were, I was driving back and forth to Lake Martin and you know, it wasn't even really like amazing scenery. It was just farms and woods and stuff and I was just like super tired but just enjoying and soaking in God's creation the example of his love is out there everywhere but let's be careful when we think we're hearing from God the word doesn't encourage us to test the spirits in first John 4 1 says beloved don't believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you don't have to be stressed about when you're wondering, is it God that told me that? Am I just kind of like making this up? Is this something else? Um, is, this, is this not really from him? He'll reinforce when he's speaking to your heart. He'll encourage you. He's not a God of confusion and disorder. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not a God of confusion and some translations use the word disorder but of peace. He has abundance for you. He doesn't want to confuse you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to speak to your heart. Are you watching? Are you listening? Are you celebrating the amazing things that he's doing? Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing Ridge family. You brought us together for a purpose. You have great plans for this church, for the families that are here, for the students and the kids. Uh, God, and we are thankful 
there's a lot going on in our lives too that is scary, that is difficult, that is challenging, but we know that you are with us through all of those things. We know that you have provision for us to provide for our daily needs like you did for Elijah out in the desert. So God, for those of us that feel like we're in the desert, give us the food we need. Give us the water we need. Give us your presence so that we know that you're with us and so that we can move forward with courage no matter what comes our way. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.